You're listening to Kiss My Glass, a monthly podcast serving up the latest news, trends, and events relating to all things liquid in San Diego. This podcast is recorded as a collaboration between Pacific Magazine and the Facebook group Eating and Drinking in San Diego. If you want to continue the conversation, be sure to visit the EDSD group on Facebook and head to PacificSanDiego.com for updates on bar and brewery openings, beer of the week features, brewer and bartender profiles, and drink forward events. Also, be sure to check out Dish It Up, our sister podcast, which is focusing on the food scene around San Diego. Now, without further ado, here's your host, Edwin Rial. This is Edwin Rial, and this is Kiss My Glass, a collaboration podcast between Pacific Magazine and Eating and Drinking in San Diego. Today's guest is Logan Mitchell. She is something of a Renaissance woman. She runs a supper club, a private supper club called The Cellar Door. She also runs a bartending supply company shop uh, in North Park called Collins & Coop. She's married to Gary McIntyre, who co-runs that, and he's also a master Lego builder. True. Logan, how are you? Hi. Hi, Edwin. Uh, I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. So let's, uh, let's talk about Collins & Coop. How did this start? So Collins and Coop came about actually a few years before we opened the store. Um, we ha- Gary and I have wanted to. Well, we were we went to a store in um, L.A. called Barkeeper. It's really wonderful, and it was the first store we'd ever seen of its kind. Um, they had bartending supplies, glassware, things like that. At that point, they did not have a liquor license, which they now do. Um, but we were pretty inspired by that. And um, Gary, being a really a huge fan of cocktails and learning how to bartend uh, via our supper club, um, we decided to uh, look for a place we can do a store like this. However, we ended up getting... Um, and offered to open a different kind of store that has now since been stalled for the last five years. Um, I stopped asking you about I it. Know, I know, I know. I stopped asking myself about it, honestly. But it does come up sometimes. I feel that it is relevant. So we um, we wanted to still do the bartending supplies inside inside of the store we were asked to do, which was a liquor store, which is still you know crossing crossing our fingers that that will still happen. And as because that was stalled for so long, we decided to open the store on our own. A lot of the reason is because we love vintage stuff and we've been collecting it for years and we have boxes and boxes and boxes full of it and kind of decided like, you know, at this point we should share our bounty with other people because really the fun part is is acquiring it and sharing it. And seeing your stuff in other yeah, cool places. Yeah, absolutely. Like there are bars in town that have, have um, bought stuff from us. It's really cool to see them using it. And, you know, I think with vintage stuff especially, it ends up... It exists now in 2019 because people in the 60s and, you know, 50s and 60s didn't use it because it was it was forbidden. It was like the stuff people got for their wedding anniversary or their wedding presents. And it sat in it in some sort of curio cabinet for years and the kids weren't allowed to use it. And so I think that now it's you know still alive and still around. And I think we should use it. I think I think in, in my life, I try to use all the beautiful things that I find. And if they break, well, you know what? I, they broke because I loved using them, and that's okay. What a great attitude! To yeah, have. it's really fun, and I and I like to have prices that are approachable, and also um, approachable enough that people want to use the products that they buy. Like you can go online probably and find some beautiful vintage shaker for you know eighty five dollars or a hundred dollars, and it's kind of like, well, but are you going to use that? Are you worried about breaking it? And so you know, if we find something for ten dollars at an estate sale, we're happy to sell it for 
you know, 25 or 30 after you clean it up and get all the shine back on it and stuff. So it's nice. And so you not only do retail, but you do wholesale to, to bars and restaurants? We don't specifically do wholesale, but we do offer uh, pretty generous um, discounts. We offer a, a, an industry discount just to people, bartenders, servers and stuff that come in looking for things for them. For their own repertoire, you know, like wine keys and shakers and stuff like that. But we do also offer bulk discounts um, to to restaurants and stuff that want to get, like, for example, Il Dandy, uh, we supplied their whole bar with tools. What? Yeah. So there's actually a handful of bars around town that um, we have helped, I say, had a little hand in opening, helping open, because a lot of times we can actually get them better prices than they can, um, you know, through Cocktail Kingdom and stuff like that, because we, we have relationships with Cocktail Kingdom, and then we we are fine to take a little bit of a cut if we can get our our products out there and bars. And at Collins and Coop, it's not only just you know bar supplies, but you do classes there too. Yeah, we do classes. Um, we do one class a month. It's we try to make it a little bit different every time. Occasion we used to do a cocktails one hundred and one class every other month, but we've actually found that people are really into the more specialized classes. So in the past, we've done tiki cocktails. We did a uh, master class on a Swedish uh, distiller who came to town. He was in, in town from Sweden, and he did a whole huge, wonderful class. And we learned so much. He's actually a chemist. It was really awesome. On uh, July 30th, we're doing a beer cocktails class with Ballast Point and uh, Price Imports. And they actually do really cool stuff. So every month we do a class. And, and it, you don't have to be a bartender to take it. The whole point of the class is to teach you how to how to fill up a shaker with ice and how to, how to close it and how to handle it and how to strain a cocktail and why you shake vers- one cocktail versus strain an- or versus stir another. And there's actually rules for that. It's not just because you want to. Or for flair. Or... Yeah, it's yeah. I mean, there's a reason you stir vers- stir certain cocktails versus uh, shake others, and and it's fun to teach people those things. And um, just so everyone knows, it's not a liquor store. No, we it... don't sell any booze at all. Yeah. Uh, we sell we sell mixers. We sell bitters. glassware. We sell. We have uh, I think on last count, 136 different bitters. Wow. And we plan to have more, but we just need to build new shelving because we can't fit any more in as is. But we also have lots of local stuff, and that's important to us. Um, I think on I, I don't I don't know if I've ever actually counted how many local products, but at least a dozen products that we have, both hardware and and what we call consumables, um, are made locally, and we're really happy to have them. One of our actually our best selling uh, item of the entirety of 2018 was a local product made by Boy Drinks World, uh, and it was a, it's a Serrano. It's not really a bitter, it's like a Serrano tincture, and it's really, really delicious. So that was that was cool. Where is Ram uh, Udwin now? Ram, oh gosh, where is he? Was he at? He was at, uh, Ram Udwin is the the creator of Boy Drinks World. Yeah. Um, he was at Ad Libidum for a while. I don't think he's managing their bar anymore, but he might still be having some shifts there. But I think he's trying to shift over into doing just Boy Drinks World stuff. Well, so. if- if it's any indication, that stuff is really good. It's really good. Yeah, yeah he actually just won two medals at the at the Del Mar Fair. What? Uh, for his bitters, and he is very in a very darling turn of events. Actually, the medals are on display at Collins and Coop um, because since we sell his products most, we he wanted them to be there. So makes that's sense. Really sweet. Yeah. yeah, he's he's actually a great supporter of the community as well. He helped. He's he came over to our shop before our first anniversary and and spent hours with us and brought all the equipment to silkscreen our logo onto glassware. So he did that with us and that was really, really cool of him to do. It's so great in San Diego. You have these people that have, like you, you have a day job. 
Oh yeah, right. <laughs> I'm I'm on I'm on air quotes lunch right now. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, when you know people having day jobs but having various hands in different pots, mm-hmm. it's you know, I mean you you run two or three different things and yeah. you do five or six <laughs> different things. Yeah. And it's it's yeah. really wonderful to see people like exploring these aspects of their creativity and their passions. Totally. And you're like a, an embodiment of that. I, I really try to be. And I think the reason we all have our side hustles, it's not great. It's because we have to. It's because we need to make money. But I think it's really cool that we that a lot of people are finding ways to make money that also make them happy. Yeah. And in San Diego especially, I think that it's really it's a really supportive community um, coming from, you know, from San Francisco where people are great, but they just can't afford to be as supportive as they are here. Because if if they if they don't take an opportunity and give it to someone else, they might not get that opportunity again. Right. And I think in San Diego, there's so much opportunity for so many people and so many different things. And so much growth. So much growth. Because I think like the people, just the sort of general populace of San Diego, they're just learning about all the things that we already know about. And it's fun to teach them that. And there's room for everyone. I mean, I, I one of the coolest things, you might have seen this, one of the coolest things that I've seen recently was um, when Il Dandy, which is an Italian place I haven't been able to afford to go yet, um, they uh, they opened across from Cucina Urbana, and people were like, well, that's going to really take away from Cucina Urbana, which is just beloved in the community. And a rep from Cucina Urbana came on that same thread and was like, we're happy they're here. We love them. Yeah, like that's so awesome, you know, because I think it could be it could be perceived as a threat to have something that's doing a similar cuisine to you and a similar price point across the street but it's not it's not competition at all well you know what it might be competition but that's what makes people brilliant sure and it keeps you on your game yeah you know cucina urbana has 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 been you know the the darling of san diego for years and for them to to know that they're still doing a great job to have a place like that open up and them just to be like yeah cool you know, we're here, we're still here and you're still going to get great quality from us too. Like, that's really cool. I like that. When we first met, it was, uh, I'd say five years ago. Yeah, it was a long time ago. Yeah. It was before the EDSD, I believe, or right in the very beginning. It was the very beginning. You came on my radar because I was doing this uh, fried chicken challenge that's in Hillcrest. Right. Uh, yeah. And Tommy Gomes, who runs Catalina Offshore Products, says to me, you got to get Logan Mitchell to make your fried chicken. Classic. <laughs> right? Classic. And I'm like, who's Logan? Call her up. Here's her number. <laughs> and you don't say no to Tommy Gomes. And you don't say no. no. And, you know, uh, we did that fried chicken uh, challenge. And, you know, I didn't eat fried chicken for six months after that. <laughs> yeah. But that's where you came yeah. on my radar. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, we have this, you know, half-decade relationship now. Totally. And uh, it's it's things like this where um, my whole thing for uh, doing what I do is to kind of grow collaborations, mm-hmm. grow friendships, Get you in places that you would have never been or get you involved with people you might not necessarily have a relationship with and totally. kind of just grow the the scene that way. And now with my new project, um, Liquid City, again, it's it's about pairing liquids, mm. which something you know about, mm-hmm. with food yeah. and with singular items. So I think uh, we're going to have to call you up uh, soon and be amazing. figure out ways other ways to collaborate yeah absolutely and and one thing about collins and coop is that we 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 love doing that as well and so we're always encouraging people to come 
host things in our shop and, you know, host like, for example, Standard Spoon, which is a, a local um, bar products uh, manufacturer. Well, they don't actually manufacture here, but they're, they are designed here. And it, it's this couple. They're really awesome. Anyway, whenever they launch a new product, we're like, come do your launch party here. Like we want people to see where your stuff is sold and we want to support you. And it's not about making money for us at all. Um, similarly with uh, El Cajon Boulevard, um, which our shop is on El Cajon Boulevard, right, just right around 30th. Um, it's, it's, I think, historically been a neighborhood that people that grew up in, in San Diego are a little bit, you know, hesitant to go to. Um, because even when I moved here eight years ago, eight and a half years ago, it was not a super welcoming place. Um, it used to be really, really amazing. And it kind of, El Cajon Boulevard kind of fell on hard times. And um, we're happy to be, be a part of that community. And we actually um, have Gary and I specifically, well, he's really active in the 30 ECB uh, Business Association, which is just all the businesses kind of within two blocks radius of 30th and El Cajon Boulevard. And there's so many good ones. And there's so many good ones. Yeah. And so we, we started, we wanted to start an event that's similar to this uh, South Park Walkabout, which I think has become kind of iconic. People, everyone knows about the South Park Walkabout, even if they've never been. Yeah. And so we started Stroll the Boulevard, uh, which we had our very first event um, just in June. And it was awesome. And we really had a great time. But we are we want that to be a thing that happens consistently every quarter um, so people can start coming to that neighborhood and realize how close it is to university and how close it is to the places they love, like Toronado and working class. You just stroll a few blocks up the street and there's all these other places and it's, you know, safer to walk around now. And like, it's just, it's, it's really cool. I like bringing up the community like that as well. Well, it's an important hub, mm-hmm. right? Totally. Because you have 30th and university and you have 30th and Adams mm-hmm. and what lay, what lies right in the middle of that is 30th and El Cajon. Yeah. So growing that corner and that um, area is critical to everyone going uh, north and south on 30th. Yeah, which is all technically still North Park. Strangely, yeah. whoever wrote those boundaries is really weird. I don't know why it has this little, like, it's like a little thumbs up, you know, <laughs> coming right up 30th. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, we're all the same neighborhood. And and so, you know, I think that's, don't, like, don't don't overlook <laughs> El Cajon Boulevard. Yeah. It's pretty cool. It is really cool. Yeah. Um, you know, from Tiger Tiger, who's getting some national exposure totally. right now with the diver uh, diners, drive-ins, and dives. Yeah, very cool for them. Yeah, and um, you know, Coffee Teen Collective, another mm-hmm. like just great, great business. Yeah, actually, Tiger Tiger, um, I give them almost all the credit for what's happened on Thirtieth and El Cajon Boulevard because Absolutely. when they opened, there was nothing down there. I mean, Lips, Lips, um, <laughs> and Tutti. Is just so so active in the community, and I just I have a lot of respect for Tootie. Like she does so much, and I I've just learned so much just being in the, just being part of the Elkhorn Business Association. Like all of the, the lights that everybody enjoys on Elkhorn Boulevard at Christmas time, she strings those up herself every wow. year. And she's the owner of Lips, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah, super active. Um, I just learned recently that the. Um, what is it? The city building will will light up rainbow this year for the very first time. Which and I, building? The city. I don't. I don't actually know which building, but whatever. I think down on the down on the harbor. Whatever the city. Oh yeah, building the, down there. It's a county. The county. The county building. Yeah. yeah, will be will be lit up in rainbow this year for the first time, and they asked Tootie to like to to turn on the switch. Wow. Yeah, it's very cool. Um, how important is that? Um, you know the gay community to that area? Um, 
I don't. I well, I know that lips is definitely a thing, but I wouldn't say that lips is for the gay community. Like I think that we need people coming to lips that aren't necessarily in the queer community. Um, but it's, I mean, it's huge to have to have a business to have businesses on the boulevard that are. You know that are um, queer owned. Mine obviously is a queer owned business because I am a queer person, um, and I, I we fly our flag out every day uh, because I think it's important to have you know to have safe spaces for for anybody. Um, and I think you, not just during Pride, uh, which right. is it's Pride Week when we record this. It's Pride Week for San Diego, um, but I don't know that that part of town is necessarily integral to the queer community. I do think that. In San Diego, and I think a lot of major cities, um, if I can lump us in with a major city, I don't know if I can, but... Let's pretend we are. Yeah, as, as far as like, you know, urban populace and stuff. But I think that in San Diego, the, the parts of town that were originally sort of cordoned for the queer community are now being more integrated. And, and I think that there's pros and cons to that. You know, it's like, it's nice to not have to um, hide in, in, you know, four block radius or in certain places and feel safe. And that's, that's awesome. But it also kind of dilutes the, the actual community of queer people. And um, so it's, I have kind of mixed feelings about it. I think generally it's very good that, that the community is more dispersed and there's not, there's not specific, you know, like gay places like there used to be. Um, But, yeah, I don't know. I have, I have, uh, I have complicated feelings about that. Compared to some of the bigger cities in America, how friendly to the queer community is San Diego? I think actually very friendly. I, especially considering the, the high high number of uh, military contingent, which I actually just learned that we have the highest number of active military living in in San Diego than any other country, or I'm sorry, than any other city in the country. Uh, I learned that because uh, Chris Ward just, I don't know if you saw this, but Chris Ward, uh, the councilman for for my district, which I assume is all over sort of North Park and Mid-City. Yeah, Central City. Um, he, just, he just introduced and vote, they voted on a bill to, I don't know if it was a bill, some sort of, um, I think it was more of a gesture, but I think it's a great gesture to, uh, to sort of officially oppose the transgender military ban. Um, they just voted on it uh, a couple days ago. In the past. Yeah, and um, and it passed except for one, and I think that's really cool. And um, a lot of people commenting on on the post on Facebook are, you know, they're saying like, "Well, what does this actually achieve? Is this just you know lip service?" And like, yeah, it is, but that's the point because being such a huge um, you know concentration of military, I think that it's so important to our trans brothers and sisters and siblings to to sh- say that. For the most part, people want them to be safe and feel like they're that, like they they can be safe here, and that's super important. Well, you know, not to get political or anything, but if you're against uh, transgender fighting, then you go fight. Right, exactly. <laughs> you know, and and I'm sure some people will say, "Well, I did," and that and that's fine, but it doesn't make a difference. And you know, they're just they're just people like everybody else, and and the community here. Like I'm I'm not a trans person, but I, I have a lot of trans friends, and I have a lot of gender nonconforming friends and and you know um, my partner is gender nonconforming and I um, I want to be as supportive of a person as I possibly can um, to the community because we I think that like we have to stand up for them because they shouldn't be required to fight that fight on their own 
Can we talk about your uh, private supper club? It's called The Cellar Door. Yes, Cellar Door. And it's mostly friends and yeah. people you friends know. Friends and people people they know and people who hear about us from friends, mutual friends. Totally um, word of mouth. Yeah, totally word of mouth. It's been about eight years since, since we started. It started because a friend, some friends of ours went to a supper club in Paris and was run by it was run by some Seattle expats and um, they just loved it. And this was like nine years ago they told us about it. And and we were just like, well, why is that not a thing? We want to go to that thing. Yeah. And and because we couldn't find one to go to, we decided to make one to host instead, which is decidedly a lot more work. <laughs> but I, I have cooked for a long time. I've never actually cooked in a commercial kitchen before other than just like here and there for competitions and stuff, but never, never in a restaurant and uh, did not go to culinary school. So I just, I just love food and I've learned a ton of about cooking when I lived in San Francisco. Um, and then Gary has also never worked in a bar before. So I, and I, but I have been a bartender, so I taught him pretty much everything I knew and he just really ran with that. He just ran with mm-hmm. it. Because yeah. that's how Gary is. Yeah, he, totally. I mean, he, you know, he's very dedicated to something he really cares about and yeah. that's, that's, you know, one of his like best qualities. Um, but yeah, Gary's so, the kind of person where um, if you ask him what time it is, he'll tell you how to build a watch, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, if he knew how, he would absolutely, he'd be like, you know, you wouldn't have to ask me. No, just kidding. He's very generous. Um, yeah, no, he's, he is doing such a good job running the store. We started Cellar Door. It's 10 people at a time uh, in our apartment, and we prefer parties no larger than two. So we, it's either two or 10. So you can book the whole table if you want more than two. But if you if you don't want more than two, then we prefer that everybody kind of arrives not really knowing each other, oh, and that's fun. it makes for a really really fun experience. Yeah, because um, no one clicks up and totally. Yeah, we actually we learned that mistake kind of the hard. We learned that lesson the hard way. We had a party of six in one of our first dinners, and it was just six against four, and it you know and everybody had a nice time, but it wasn't the people didn't get to interact the way that we wanted them to, um, and so yeah, so we do multi course dinners. Oftentimes they're themed. We used to do more, but since we opened the store, it's been a bit tricky because my my days off and Gary's days off don't correspond anymore. I think I I keep telling people that it's, you know, food is food. Restaurants are restaurants. Mm -hmm. But I think more and more people are getting into this dining for the experience. Totally. Yeah. And I've said so many times that, like, I know that I make good food, but it's really not that hard to make good food. It really, really isn't. And I think there's something about Cellar Door that we didn't create. It just happened. There's a magic that that the event has. um, And there's all these different factors. And I think that um, the magic of it is not something that we can replicate. Um, It's something that just the people bring to it. And, um, you know, there's food and there's drinks. And our house is like some weird museum um, of, like, creepy stuff. And that's fun. And, you know, it's just... We've also paid a lot of attention to, you know, the lighting and things like that. And plates. Yeah, plates. Yeah. And all the all the stuff is like, you know, stupidly cute and vintage and <laughs> whatever. And it's fun. It's fun to eat off of the plate and realize what's underneath it is like a commemorative plate from like Niagara Falls or something, you know, <laughs> and that's pretty cool. But yeah, you know, there's there is something about the dining experience that even if the food isn't good, even if even if the lighting is bad, but you you had a great conversation with someone that you just met and you get a little tipsy and like and and the meal on something sweet, you kind of can't have a bad time. An experience I had uh, last year, I believe, was uh, doing the cow by bear, and I was oh, one yeah. of the, I was one of the first people to go. Come on, really? I know, right? Yeah. And then when the, you know, the meal was fun. The uh, the crowd we were with was really fun. I went with Anthony Pascal, who owns Psycho Sushi. 
him and I went to this dinner and, you know, by the end of it, when the cow or when, sorry, when the bear comes out, I was the first person there taking a selfie with them, you know, (laughs) because it was, it was just a fun evening and, Mm -hmm. you know, people may scoff at the price and the quality of the food for the price and all of that. But you know what? Unbelievable. Totally. uh, Memorable experience. Yeah. I, I never got the chance to go to Cowboy Bear, which is unfortunately not, not operating anymore, but I did get to go to a similar experience at the location by one of the bear chefs is a friend of mine Uh, as a fun aside. uh, I believe there were four different bears and three of them uh, were women. So I thought that was really, really cool. Uh, But I got, I got to go back and look at their kitchen. Did you get a chance I to didn't. do that? I didn't. It's pretty bare, I heard. Oh, they don't have a kitchen. Yeah. It's literally like a grill. It's yeah. like a camp chef in, on the porch. And they are doing some really amazing stuff out of that space. I mean, it was never – they hardly – they have like a hand sink. It's not like running water, you know, like a big, you know, like pasta station with like a bubble. It's not none of that stuff at all. So I was really impressed uh, with what they were able to do in that space. Who are some of the other um, – Like supper clubs? Supper clubs around town that – You've you know about so there's one uh, that is run by the owner of the Rose Chelsea Coleman uh, and it's called Real Fine Company and I got to go to their first one they've had one more since then they only have a few but it's very charming mostly I can't really afford to go to stuff like that uh, but I can you know I like to splurge occasionally but yeah that one's really fun they do a really cute thing where they at least they did the first and second time where they they use fruits and vegetables and like paint they like hand stamp like when you're little and you like cut the fruit in half and dip it in paint and make like a stamp out of it how fun and they do that with all their linen napkins and um and then people get to take them home which is pretty pretty cute the last one i didn't i just saw photos of it but i'm pretty sure they asked people to dress in like certain colors which is really cool and they corresponded to the to the courses of the meal so and and another thing that they're doing. So it's actually in this really cute little Airbnb that Chelsea owns, and um, they actually put up a whole a whole art show. So the first course is is in the house, and there's art up all over the house, and it's very darling and and cute. And there's like a little cocktail, and you get some crudité, and you walk around and meet everyone and see the art. And so I think part of the dressing a certain way was to correspond with the artist and the type of art that they do. So yeah. it's really really fun, kind of all inclusive little moment. Last year, I went to um, Tortoise. Yeah. And I had Jason O'Brien, one of the people who. He's amazing. Jason is. He's just such an incredible person. Yeah. And that was by far, as a standalone dinner, as amazing as it gets, Mm -hmm. you know, Uh, from the pairings to the food and the service and the atmosphere the yeah, location that everything is so cool yeah it's, it's uh, really special it's right above lion share if, mm-hmm. uh, if you're if anyone doesn't know but yeah so it, it reinforces this notion that i've had that experience means so much to dining you know mm-hmm. a, a very simple steak can be elevated because of the experience totally and they're they're doing um as far as i know i again can't afford to go to that but they're it's worth every penny I'm, so i've heard they're doing a lot more fine dining stuff and really beautiful platings that I've seen in photos and gorgeous, gorgeous stuff. And uh, Victoria O'Brien um, is a level two or maybe three psalm at this point. Yeah. She was a, she's a sommelier at um, Addison, Addison, which is just like, I mean, when she got that job, she just was like, so thrilled. I've known them for years. 
Um, but she's just like continued to skyrocket into like greatness. And they're both really awesome. We actually met Vicky through Cellar Door. Oh, did you? She came to Cellar Door by herself. Uh, years ago, we did this. Um, God, it was like six years ago now. We did this uh, like Mardi Gras themed meal. And it was at, um, do you know Greg Ostro? Yes. So it was at his house. Beautiful house yeah. in Rancho Santa, Rancho Santa Fe. Fe. Yeah, gorgeous. Fairbanks, and so. I think they had just moved in because they didn't have, they only had a few of their trees planted in their grove and they were very little. But we had to, we had to move our, for a while we were moving around and not doing them at our home. So we did them at their house for the whole weekend, which thank you, Greg, for letting us do that. And it was a lot. We were there all weekend. Anyway, it was six courses with six cocktails and it was, people got real, real tipsy. And they, because they were, they weren't just like, we didn't throw in any beer or wine because it's, you know, New Orleans. Like, there's so many amazing, iconic cocktails from there. Yeah. And she came by herself and she was just, like, so delightful. And we just, like, all started hanging out. I got to go to their wedding, which was really amazing. I love Dr. Greg. Yeah, he's um, so sweet. He's done a couple of things in the in the community that people don't really know. Yeah. Um, a local chef had some eye issues. Yeah. And he... He's a pediatric eye surgeon, correct? Like, he's... Yeah, he's... He's one and of the Stacey most. Stacy is a doctor as well, but I, I, his wife, but I don't remember what her what her specialty is. Yeah, and they're they're two of the most generous people that you'll ever meet, um, with their time, with their fruit, with their, um, you know, just with their professional and, skills and their support of the community as well. Yeah, yeah, they're awesome. Um, and they have an amazing organic farm in you know in their backyard. They do. I need to go up there. Yeah, my uh, my my son and I went their last uh last season and um i've never seen my kid eat so much fruit that's awesome but because he see you know he's seeing it on a tree and yeah. dr greg is going you know try this try that mm -hmm. and he's seeing the daughters eat these fruits yeah, and he, super sweet yeah and he ended up like falling into it right yeah. and so like this is a guy that I've wanted to uh, create a YouTube channel about. Yeah. And all about like eye health and how food helps your eye totally. health. Yeah. Well, um, you were saying that uh, that you saw you saw like the interest in food because of how it's grown. Well, that's I mean, you you know about um, Olivewood Gardens, right? Yep. Yeah. So that's such a cool. Do you know the history, a little bit of the history of it? Yes. Um, I'm going to. Correct me if I'm wrong. So that was uh, back in the day owned by the Waltons. I yes. think it's still owned by the Waltons. The property is. Yeah. Um, of the uh, Walmart. Walmart. In, uh, like the 80s. Fame. Yeah. yeah. And there's also another farm right there. I, it escapes me. Well, there's Dickinson, but Dickinson's I don't know how farm. close they are. So. Yeah. It's it's it's, uh, it's a, a block. Couple. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Dickinson. I did a, an event at Dickinson Farm as well. Yeah. It was really awesome. And um, the son, I believe, yeah. of uh, of the Walton uh, yeah. family had, had some cancer. kind of a, yeah had an ailment, and yeah. um, and the doctors were kind of like, well, we've done everything we can do. Like, you could try an organic diet. This was in the eighties. People yeah. didn't do that. They didn't even know what that meant. Right. And so they built this whole right outside of his bedroom window. They they planted this huge garden, and um, so he could because he couldn't leave the house really, but he could he could watch it grow out of his window, and it was so cool. And he's still alive today. He's, wow. I believe he's my age. He's in his 30s somewhere, um, maybe, maybe early 40s. But um, yeah, it was, it, was, it was so impactful for the Waltons that they donated the whole entire property to the city of San Diego. But it, had to be, it has to be used for education. Yeah. 
And they bring they bring people in, kids from all over the, the that uh, district there to learn about the food. And what they actually learned uh, pretty quickly was that the kids get excited about the food and they go home and they say, Mom, like, I just pulled carrots out of the ground. And the mom's like, I don't know how the hell to cook carrots. Like, <laughs> I don't know how to do this. And so, so now they start bringing in the whole families yeah. and they bring the parents in to show them because, I mean... I don't have kids, so I I kind of sometimes have to have this moment where I think like, okay, parents can be as young as like 22 years old and they could have a kid in school and be like, this kid comes home and is excited and the the person's like, I'm a baby too. Like, I don't know how to do this. Like, this is not, this is not as easy as going through a drive-thru or cheap. Right. And so it's really cool that they, that they, they not only recognize one need, but then they recognize another one. And now, now they're trying to educate the whole family. And it's not just like some randoms going in there and cooking. It's some of the best chefs mm-hmm. in the city totally. with some of the best purveyors yep. uh, bringing in and donating food. Yeah, it's a really cool program. I think that's where it starts. I agree. Um, but yeah, I think by educating kids, they will mm-hmm. then look to healthy food as not not as something like a luxury, but something of a necessity totally. in their diet. And something that's simple and is not difficult to actually incorporate at all. Yeah. And actually, um, we did. So I just myself and Karen Barnett of Small Bar and uh, Coral Strong of uh, Garden Kitchen just did an event at uh, Kitchens for Good, uh, which is a really wonderful organization that um, it's a cooking school for formerly incarcerated people, which is, is so awesome because people are constantly complaining in the restaurant industry about how there's there's nobody who can work in their kitchens because people demand too much money or they want to be famous or, you know, for whatever reason, it's just hard to find people. And here is a group, a group, a community of people that, you know, they serve their time they for whatever reason that they did and they get out and it's almost impossible to find a job. If yeah. you've been, if you've been imprisoned, it's impossible to find a job. And it's, it's just like, okay, yeah, there's certainly some things that as a business owner, I maybe might, be hesitant to hire someone who's, you know, had certain things happen to them in their past. But for the most part, these are people with like drug offenses and people that just got caught up in the wrong thing and they deserve to find a job. And if they want to work hard, they deserve to. And so the the people, the students were there when we did our event and it was all cherry. It was all the money that was raised went towards the school. But the students helped us with our meals, it helped us cook everything. Um, and And they were just so sweet and like, so so generous and helpful and there was this really really nice kid that i i don't think i ever caught his name because we were really busy but he was helping me out a ton and he just was like he'd never he'd never used fresh mint before he'd never even seen it and he'd never you know some of the ingredients we were using he just he didn't had never seen a fresh pomegranate or you know things like that and and it was just really fun to teach him how how to use this stuff and that it's really simple and easy. And one of the things that we did, I just did this because I just thought he was really charming, but I was, there was a bottle of, um, of pre-squeezed lemon juice, like the kind you buy from the store, which I just don't touch it because it doesn't taste right to me. But I, I had a lemon, a fresh lemon and I squeeze a little bit into a spoon and then I put some of the bottled stuff in a spoon and I had him taste both. And I was like, this is the difference. Like this tastes different to you. Right. And and it, and it totally did. And that was just like a fun thing. To teach someone. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. And he thanked me for showing him just some few little things. And I'm just like, man, this is this is stuff that I take for granted that I know how to do. And I, you know, I look forward to all these all these people, these students of all ages, like graduating the program and being the people to cook me my food when I go out to eat. That's awesome. Tell us, you know, last last call. Tell us about Collins and Coop. Where is, you know, give us the address and the 
um, you know, social media and also yeah. uh, seller, yeah. uh, the seller door. So uh, seller door, you can find us. We have a website, sellerdoorsd.com, but I honestly haven't looked at it in a long time. I don't know if it's even there anymore, but we're on Facebook, seller door, Instagram, which is honestly just kind of my personal Instagram. So if you don't like me very much, you probably wouldn't want to follow seller door on Instagram, uh, seller door SD, and then uh, Collins and Coop. Uh, which is a retail spot. A lot of people think that we're just we're just wholesale. We're not. Um, we are actually there for the home, mostly the home bartender. So if you're interested in learning about cocktails or just need a new muddler or something, stop by. You'll probably see Gary because while I have a day job, uh, Gary's day job is to work at the store. So he's there most, if not all of the time. Um, and we're at 2876 El Cajon Boulevard between Utah and Kansas. And then... Uh, they also Collins and Coop everywhere. So Collins and Coop spelled out on on Instagram, and then um, Collins and Coop at Gmail. If you need us for anything, we also do private uh, private cocktail classes. So if you want to get a group together and come after hours and learn how to make a couple cocktails, we can do that for you. So send us an email. Logan, thank you very much for your time. Thank you. And uh, get back to work. I gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> Love you. Love you too. You've been listening to Kiss My Glass with host Edwin Rial and guest Logan Mitchell. This podcast is a monthly collaboration between Pacific Magazine and the Facebook group Eating and Drinking in San Diego, hosted on the UT Podcast Network. A special thanks to our sound editor, John Kelly, for making sure you can hear us loud and clear. I'm Sarah Butler, staff writer at Pacific Magazine, and I'm here to wrap up with a few food and drink events coming to San Diego. Do you like tacos and beer? Head to the Del Mar Racetrack on August 3rd to sample beers from more than 100 local and regional breweries, as well as tacos from more than 20 SoCal eateries. Entertainment includes games, DJs, an interactive photo booth, and Lucha Libre wrestling. Tickets can be bought online at dmtc.com. Happy birthday, L. Smith! From August 9th to August 11th, the Tasting Room in Mira Mesa celebrates 24 years in the neighborhood with an art, music, and beer festival. The anniversary weekend features specialty beers paired with gourmet cheeses, as well as showcases local artists in San Diego. Visit alesmith.com for details. On August 10th, mix vino and tunes at the Blended Wine and Music Festival in Little Italy. Enjoy access to more than 50 respected wineries, as well as expansive food stations during this six-hour event at Waterfront Park. Plus, participate in various activities happening throughout the venue, such as performances from live bands and DJs. For more information, go to bit.ly slash blended wine music. What's the best chicken wing in Pacific Beach? Local bars and restaurants invite San Diegans to decide during Lord of the Wings, a competition happening at Maverick's Beach Club on August 17th. Try every competing drumstick and cast a vote for your favorite. Get the details at pacificbeach.org. This is just a first serving of great food and drink events. More can be found at PacificSanDiego.com. Be sure to follow Pacific on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram with the handle at PacificSD for more cool events to keep you busy all year long. Cheers! Cheers.